This podcast is made possible by the Social Voice Project. Hi, this is Michelle. You can leave a message for me and I will get back with you. At the tone, please record your message. Hey, Michelle, this is Tony Lavorna from Tony Lavorna's Legends and Lore podcast. We have something in us that says, yes, I want to fight for something good. I want to fight for something right. We simply cannot stand by and allow Satan and his minions to continue coming into our homes because we have something in us that says, yes, I want to fight for something good. I want to fight for something right by adhering to the truths of this amazing faith that we have. You are listening to Tony Lavorna's Legends and Lore podcast. Tony Lavorna's Legends and Lore podcast explores the history and tales of ghost stories, mysterious crimes, murders, UFOs, witchcraft, and other occult happenings still thriving in the greater Ohio Valley region of Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Ohio, and beyond. Hello. Michelle, hi, this is Tony Lavorna. How are you? Hi, how are you? Well, welcome today to Tony Lavorna's Legends and Lore podcast, part of the Social Voice Project. Today, we are going to be speaking with the author of Rain No Evil, which is a book out by Michelle Zirkel. Thanks most of all for being on the show. I'm thrilled to be a guest on your show, Tony. Well, thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Well, I have to say, I read the book, Rain No Evil, and hey, I am hooked. This was a very interesting read for me, and this is why, and this is for the readers and listeners at home. On the back of the book, the blurb that I found very interesting was offered up by Mr. Michael Noss, a Bram Stoker award-winning editor, I believe. He's the author of Return of the Mothman. And this is what he says about our friend Michelle. Quote, there's a rare honesty in the writing of rain and no evil. After reading this story, I remembered everything that happened as though the events had actually happened to me. I've never experienced that before in a book, and I can tell you, I have never been so pulled into a story as I have with this one. And I'll tell you, folks, I think he is spot on. Because Michelle in this book, it's, it, it's not as if this book can fit into one neat box, okay? It, it's, it's not just about a horror or about a suspense or even just the supernatural in general, which can come under a very large umbrella, okay? Do you think dealing with something that is of the supernatural is easy? It isn't. If you think dealing with something that you can't tangibly control or touch, believe me, it's difficult. But this lady has somehow been able to take that information and put it in a book. And it's about 290 or 300 pages. And believe me, folks, you're going to sit down, you're going to lay down on the beach, you're going to pick this up, and you're going to be sunburned by the time you get done, but you're going to love reading all 300 pages. You're probably going to have to do it in one setting. Would you agree, Michelle? Oh, thank you, Tony. I, I hope so. <laughs> I hope everyone gets it and reads it. <laughs> it doesn't get sunburned, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I can definitely say dealing with a demon, it, it's not hogwash. And uh, some people believe it. perhaps it's a trick of the mind. Well, I don't think so. So you take it away, Michelle. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, what finally compelled you to sit down and write this book? Because I know it's based on uh, true events in your life, correct? Yes, Tony, it was. It was very life-changing for me when I had the experience I did with the, not just the water in the house, but many other paranormal events that were going on. You mentioned the honesty in the book, and I have to say, as an author writing about myself, I did struggle with that because it involved not just me, but my family. And as I started writing about this incredible experience, I realized there was no other way to truly get across the depth of desperation and just the uh, internal um, conflict that was going on, as well as the external marital conflict that was going on without being honest. I had many people ask me, how did you put yourself out there like that? And I just felt like if, I, if it was a story worth telling, it was worth telling the raw truth, as painful and as um, you know, uh, difficult. yes, it was difficult. Mm -hmm. It was, um, it was definitely very personal in nature and it, I did struggle with that, but I, I was glad I wrote it the way I did because I had many people who have told me they relate so well to the whole dynamic of the situation and the struggle in the book with not just the, the personal relationships, but the struggle with spirituality and, and what is God and how did God factor into, into my life at that time. I totally agree with you there. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't say that most people who even deal with um, investigating the paranormal, uh, paranormal investigators and detectives and such, they report sometimes of being uh, physically scratched or something, uh, something being thrown at them or even bruised um, in some investigations. And the story is an old one. Um, it can probably be traced. I, I'm going to take a venture to say back to the time of uh, the figure of Jesus Christ, who in the Bible was said to go into places and call these entities or demons out of people. In more recent times, uh, there's been reports such as, um, again, just to go to Christianity, uh, the reports of the Capuchinian uh, friar uh, Padre Pio, uh, who had been assaulted, been bruised, uh, been thrown across the room in front of people by, by an unseen force. Uh, so this is a very real event that happens to a person, but in some ways it, it cannot really easily be defined, now can it? Absolutely. You mentioned earlier, too, that I, I didn't really fit into a box with this genre, and absolutely that was one of those um, issues as well when I went to release the book. I didn't know where I fit, uh, which is so many right. times uh, the case with, when someone's writing something that has a, has cross genres in it, uh, the paranormal and obviously the spirituality part of it. Then you had the relationship issue, the uh, verbal abuse that was going on. So it definitely doesn't fit in a nice little category. And that's why I put it not your normal paranormal on the back cover as well. Um, Padre Pio is, uh, I, I love that man. I've read his book, Man of Hope, and uh, I'm, I'm aware of the uh, circumstances that you were describing with him. I didn't know about that until I became Catholic, though, and I became Catholic after all of these occurrences happened at the house, and we had to get a, a priest involved. So would you like for me just to tell you a little bit about my background as far as um, how this came to be? 
Absolutely. I was hoping you would do that, in fact, for our listeners, because you have some great characters in the book, uh, Savvy and Alex, and of course, the jolly old father, Nick. Yeah. So wherever you'd like to start, go right okay. ahead. Okay. Well, I grew up Pentecostal, so I was no stranger to the church pew, and my father actually preached for some time. So I grew up in a church that was very dynamic and charismatic and prayed out loud and spoke in tongues and killed people and people threw their crutches and ran through the tabernacle. So this is how I grew up from about the age of six to approximately 14, 15 years old when my parents divorced. So throughout the years from then on, I was at many different denominations, going to church, Christian churches. So when this happened at the house in 2006, was in in real time, I was attending a church, a non-denominational church, with my husband and my two boys, who were seven years old and 12 years old. And my husband and I had a very dysfunctional relationship in that we were struggling to keep our marriage together. And there were many extramarital uh, things going on. And I struggled with that as well as he did. And he was a police officer and I was teaching high school. So we had a huge fight one day and I got in the shower and I said a very desperate prayer for God to prove to me that he was real because I was so just at wit's end with trying to make my marriage work and wanting wanting things to change in my life. And I told God this in a very angry way, but a desperate way. And I didn't put all of this together at the time, but days later, water started spraying inside of my house. Now, keep in mind, this, uh, this house was not a house that we had just moved into. We had lived there for eight years prior to this, and we had not had any paranormal event happen whatsoever. So we're just talking about a normal, everyday home, folks. She lived in there eight years. I mean, enough time to know that uh, this wasn't a a leaky pipe type problem is what we're saying here. Exactly. Exactly. So about three days after I said this prayer, my oldest son came downstairs and felt water drip on his head. He was just flabbergasted where it came from. And this happened a couple times throughout the, the next hour. And eventually it led to spraying across the room. By the time the evening was over, my husband and I were sitting on the couch and water had sprayed completely as if a water hose, an invisible water hose had just been placed in the living room and shot down the stairs. Uh, It hit the front door and ran down the front door. Now, my boys were ornery, but they weren't crazy. (laughs) They knew they would would get their (laughs) behind feet if they had done that. There would be ramifications (laughs) for that behavior. Right. So after several days went on, we realized that this was definitely mysterious. I still did not know after days of this that there was a spirit of some sort in the house. It went on for weeks. Other events started happening. We started seeing hands pressed through the wall, eyeballs floating in the house, figures uh, in the hallway, uh, dark Grim Reaper type figures. Now, if I could stop you there for our listeners, are you saying you're seeing um, an apparition is what you're saying, like a ghostly figure or just? Yes, apparition. Yes, we had many, many things going on in this house, many different events that were going on in the house besides the water. 
The water was one facet of it, and that's why I called the book Rain No Evil. So we had the water spraying across the house, literally in random rooms, throughout a two-week period. It would literally spray across the room, and you would not be able to see the origin of it. That was what stumped everyone. Um, we began calling the plumbers. We, we called the uh, heating and cooling people because someone suggested that it could be condensation. With numerous people throughout the house, no one could understand where this amount of water was coming from in so many different rooms. It was on the first floor, it was on the second floor, and even in the basement, which was a, a living finished basement. These springs were in every single room. It would shatter the light bulbs because the light bulbs were hot. It would set off a fire alarm. Things that you don't think of until you're sitting there and it happens. And we would look around to see where where we knew the water had came past our shoulder, say. We would turn around to see the origin of it and there was nothing there. There wasn't a pipe busted. There wasn't anything wrong with the wall. It was totally, completely intact. So you're saying to, um, to us that uh, you're sitting in a room uh, whether it be your living room or the hallway, and there is a rainstorm taking place in your hallway, in essence. Yes. It would shoot like a water hose had been sprayed on jet for a few seconds, and then it would stop. So it wasn't like it continually ran or continually poured. It was actually very sporadic, and that was part of the mystery of it. For instance, we would go to bed, and we would wake up, and the house was dry. Now, as, as a light worker and energy worker, I understand now that this was feeding off of the energy that people brought to it in the daytime. While people were awake, um, I know that many of our neighbors and coworkers would stop by. We probably had upwards of, definitely upwards of 50 people through the house. And we would remark, oh, it seems like the more people that stop by, the more that this happens. <laughs> so, but we even then we noticed the correlation, but we I didn't understand the depth of it for sure. So you're saying that it was feeding off the the essence or the energy of of the people there, whether negative or, or yes. positive feelings. Yes, it, it, these uh, these types of yes of entities can definitely tap into anyone's energy field that is susceptible to it, and uh, you can protect yourself from that. I understand now, but most people just coming in to see, oh, this person has a strange water leak, or um, actually the word got out in the community that it was a ghost in the house eventually, <laughs> and um, that was. <laughs> Of course, interesting. Nothing like the neighbors coming to help, huh? <laughs> exactly. I needed the Ghostbusters, and I ended up calling um, <laughs> calling Father. Um, in the book, I changed the name. I will mention um, it, his name wasn't Father Nick, but um, I did get Father Nick involved. Um, the apparition started about, well, actually, they actually started before the water. One apparition that, again, I did not realize connected this. I had to connect all of these dots later Tony, I, I had to connect the dots later to make somewhat sense of it that I could. Um, about two weeks before I said that prayer, there was a demon that I saw in the mirror, myself. As you looked at, as you gazed at your image in a mirror on the wall, you saw coming back at you what you believe to be a demon. Yes, it was the most frightening experience that I've ever had out of everything that happened out of all of the bumps in the night and out of all of the water spraying and, and mysterious entities I've encountered to this day, that was the most frightening. 
because it was an out-of-body experience and it was what, like you said, what I perceived to be a demon staring at me in the mirror. I was looking into my face, into my eyes, but they were also the eyes of a demon. So, so let me stop <laughs> you there and elucidate on that because I'm totally intrigued here. Now, when you've looked at your visage or your image and you see this demon, I, I got to ask you the most obvious of questions. What did that make you feel like? Well, I didn't have time to feel too much other than just frightened, um, just terrified. I for would a be moment. shaking in my socks at that point, well, I think. I, I would be bothered down to my core <laughs> of my being. This was an out-of-body experience, so I'd never had an experience like that before. And I still have not had an experience exactly like that since then. I had went to bed and I was out of my body. And I looked down and my hands, my arms were entirely swirling with energy, just white and iridescent colors, beautiful colors, nothing real vivid, very pale, but beautiful colors swirling inside of my, I could see inside of my arms and my hands. And I just thought, what's happening? But it was more real than me talking to you right now. That's, I mean, that is heavy. I mean, that is a lot. I grappled with what, what was going on. And out of my peripheral, because I was looking down at my hands. So out of my peripheral around me, I saw shapes and just white light figures. I did not look up into their faces. I can't tell you why. Uh, now I would, I would try to look up and see more, but I didn't know what was happening. So I see these, these figures around me in my peripheral, and I'm being told, not auditorily, but telepathically, I'm being told that I'm going to be having to look up. I have to look up and into the mirror dresser that's in my bedroom. And I didn't want to because I knew that it was going to be the most frightening thing I'd ever seen. I somehow knew that. So I, I looked up because I had no choice. They didn't even touch me, but I knew these beings were beings of light. I, I felt very, they were a very good presence for me, but they were making me do something that I needed to do. The one in front of me actually was the one that was telling me to look up. So I did, I looked up and it was like someone's wanting to push you off a cliff. You don't want to go, but you got to go anyway. That's what I felt like. So I, I lifted my head and my gaze into the mirror. And for in real time, I don't know what it was. I was I, I know in another dimension when this happened because I have no idea of time. That this could have been 15 minutes. It could have been five seconds. I, I can't tell you. But I do know I looked in the mirror. I saw into my eyes and into this face that was definitely my face, but there were big, dark, deep, charcoal um, crevices like I'd been, like my face had been carved like a pumpkin. And my head was tapered like a candle waves when it's blowing in the wind. Uh, it was tapered. It wasn't, it wasn't the color of fire, but it was tapered like that at the point and then extended over to the left uh, like it was waving. And I instantly was just, I was so petrified. I looked back and I boom, I'm back in my body and it's laying in the bed. And I set up screaming. That is quite an ordeal to, to put it lightly. I know in the book, so you, you mentioned Father Nick. So he comes 
and does what? He performs an exorcism or? He did. He didn't initially just come and, and perform the exorcism right away. He was very conservative, cradle Catholic. And we were not Catholic, mind you. So the fact that I contacted him was only after a set of events where we had so many people that had came through the house, so many experts uh, that had came through the house that we reached out to Father on the suggestion of a friend. And I know now that Catholic priests don't always do that. They will not always come at the request of someone who's not Catholic to, to help them with a matter like this. So we were very fortunate to find someone who was, and he had to get permission from the diocese to do so. Absolutely. I don't think it's a thing they probably take lightly, and I'm sure it's not something that the Catholic Church does on a whim. Right. And he did come and do a couple house blessings first. He didn't jump to the conclusion that it was anything evil. He said, we'll come and do a house blessing. Maybe it just needs blessed. It could be what he called a restless soul, which would be like um, a ghost. And the blessings did not... Uh, did not work, so he came back and did the exorcism. You brought up a good point earlier, and I'm just now remembering the fact that you mentioned um, ghosts and the, the apparitions. Everyone in the house was not seeing this everything the same, the same apparitions. We were all seeing different things. For instance, my son, my youngest son was seven going on eight. He saw a demon in his closet, a demon's face in his closet. Um, he saw the eyeballs floating. He's the one that saw the hands pressed through the wall. He saw Christmas lights in his bedroom, what he called Christmas lights. Mom, where are all these lights coming from? And his drapes were pulled. He was in the backside where there, there was no light from outside coming in. One night he called me in and the wall was actually glowing. I saw it. <laughs> and it was a large diameter, probably the size of about a size of a pizza. And I hesitated because I wasn't sure what to do. I wasn't sure what it was either, but it was just light. Um, I prayed and I had to show him I wasn't afraid of it. And I prayed and I put my hand on it. And as I put my hand on it, I mean, I didn't know if my hand was going to get sucked through the wall. I I didn't know what was going to happen, but it did disappear. Well, you already troubleshooted my next question, which was, did any any member of your family other than you see these objects? So, uh, in fact, they did then. You, you experienced it. Your child at that time experienced it, mm-hmm. uh, even though it was a different type of event. Yes. And I, several people that came in would have this this feeling come over them. They, you know, we talk, we talk about it later. My sister, who I'm very close to, um, she just would say the air is electric, you know, it's just, it's, this is creepy. You pull up to the house and you could see it was like a traditional, um, scary movie where the windows had moisture on them that had collected when the water would spray. We didn't lie stagnant. We did wipe it up. We had hardwood floors with rugs. So as it would spray across the room, we would wipe it up with towels. Um, it would run down the walls and we had to, of course, dry the wall. Um, at one point, we had three professionals from a place that the insurance company had sent. They were coming in to check it out and wanted us to turn off all of the, the water, the electric. And I said, no, you don't understand. We're living here. And she said, what? I said, yes, we are living in the house. It's not condemned. It's inhabitable. It just, we need someone to come and see what's going on. <laughs> I can't imagine how that phone call went. I don't mean to in- interject levity, but uh, how do you explain that? While I'm sitting in the kitchen, but yeah. it's partly rainy in the <laughs> right. living room, well, um, you know, I- I'm sure it was 
quite it a conversation. Was. And I had many people look at me like the, the secretary at the church when I went and said, I, I need my preacher to come over, um, who I'd reached out for initially. She just looked at me like I was speaking another language when I said, I have, I have a spirit in my house. <laughs> But the humor, you know, Tony, the humor is what got me through this because I did see that even then, as aggravated as I was, occasionally we would be sitting around out on the front porch, me and my dad and my sister and just some friends that would stop by. And we we would have some laughs over it because we didn't understand what was going on at first. You know, this now not after not after, you know, I realized the severity of it, but at several points um, and throughout the story that I wrote, it definitely comes across because there was humor in it in that it was so unexplainable and it's like you just wanted to throw your hands up. Well, one of the things that I that I found interesting was you have become a life coach, a, a positive attitude type person with a, with a pretty positive outlook on life. Is that fair to say? Yes, absolutely. I would I would definitely say that. I lead meditations and now I'm actually going to be at the Salt Cave in Columbus, Ohio, leading a meditation to help others meet their guides and angels. Uh, I also do healing meditations at different locations. Um, that's part of, of my transformation is that I have become a Reiki master and many other modalities as well. I work with clients on the side and um, I say on the side because I was teaching full time this year as well. But I've found that this is something that sings to my soul to do this, to, to help other people that are in these situations, not just in the paranormal realm of needing help with cleaning their house, because I do that now, too. I've been at several locations where people will ask me to come and, and clear their homes for them. So I've extended my, my help from the book. Um, it's led to many other things, that writing the book and getting the story out there has led to the life coaching, the energy work. And also the life coaching consists mostly of relationship issues. And so I actually am, I'd be considered a relationship coach in that because of the verbal situation that I was in with my husband at the time. You know, it's remarkable to me because it sounds like no matter what you were dealt here, you turned lemons into lemonade. Uh, you did not leave this broken as much as it seems you turned this event, which is which was pretty tragic, which was pretty pretty dire, and you turned it around in your life. I did. I'm very thankful for everything that happened because I wouldn't have changed this happening. I'm grateful for this experience because had I not had it, I don't know where I would be. I don't know if I would have had the courage to move on the courage to see the situation I was in with my relationship with my husband. Uh, I wouldn't maybe have been um, able to see a lot of the spiritual aspects of things that I now see much more open-mindedly than I did then. So grateful is the only way I can describe what happened to me. And at the time, I wouldn't have said that for sure, because my marriage was, uh, I, I felt torn. Uh, I said that prayer in the, in the shower that day, which I realize now that became the portal. Um, I said that prayer that day, feeling torn. I wanted to stay with my husband. I wanted to stay and keep my family intact. And I wanted to go. I, I really wanted someone just to rip me in two because I did not know what to do. I was just completely feeling like I wanted ripped in half. And now, like you said, I, I'm so grateful to be able to help other people with this. Do you feel that this thing could ever return? No, actually, the house just sold last week, which is 
of ironic that <laughs> we're having this conversation. I wasn't living in the house for the past three years. This actually in real time happened in 2006. Um, by 2007, even my husband, who was skeptical about what had happened, uh, became Catholic. We all did. And uh, so this was actually back in 2007. And um, we had divorced uh, in 2014. So we were together se- several years after after it happened at the house. So this wasn't the, this wasn't the cause of, it was just the beginning of uh, revelations after revelation to uh, help me to, to see that where I needed to be and what I needed to do with my life and how unhappy uh, I was. So the house is now sold. Uh, I don't think it will come back because it was uh, it was a, a portal that I opened with that prayer. This was more of a personal thing, yes. you and it. Not, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And what, if any, advice do you have for others who may have a similar experience? I have that question a lot. Um, first of all, there are portals that you may be unaware of. There are portals such as, and I don't mean just physical locations, which that can be the case as well, but I knew that wasn't the case where I was. So noticing what the what you're opening up to, watching movies that disturb your soul to where you can't sleep, that's a portal. That's an opening that has been created. If it's disturbing you, you, you shouldn't be watching it. Um, also, drugs, uh, alcohol, uh, they are portals they, because they alter our reality. They alter our assemblage point. Uh, where our our light is formed, where our soul sits, and it alters that. So we see things differently. Our perception becomes different when we do drugs or drink alcohol. Um, of course, meditation alters your state of mind as well, but that is a, a purposeful uh, way to go and one that you can make a positive, uh, you know, if you can get positive revelations in uh, in the state of awareness that you're in when you are meditating. I actually just finished my doctorate in metaphysical science uh, last month, and that is one of the um, the aspects of my life coaching that I also do with people is to um, lead them through the meditation, the hypnotic um, state sometimes to reveal things that are una- unavailable to us in the conscious mind. The unconscious mind, the uncognitive mind is not in your skull. It's not sitting inside of the, the skull as you as we all have to have a frame of reference for. You know, we think our mind is just in our head, in our in our actual skull, but it's not. Our mind is, is much more expanded and our awareness is much more expanded than what we often give it credit for. I had se- I had several people ask me, um, the water that was at the house was very visible to everyone. And I, I do want to, uh, to make that clear. Um, I've had many, many people ask me, well, you saw different things and your son saw some apparitions and your other son had ex- some experiences with things he knew that he shouldn't know was going on. Like there were tires that were being busted outside of the house and he would know this, he would hear it and he would run out and he would just know things. But everyone that was present. And this is no matter who stopped by the house, every single person saw the water. So it wasn't an apparition. It wasn't like you have, you know, five people in a room and one person might see a ghost and the other ones, I don't see it. Okay. That happens. But with this, with the water that would spray, every single person that came saw the water there. So this wasn't like um, an apparition in that way. 
so as far as protecting yourself from the from this type of thing happening, um, keeping yourself cleansed. I use sage. Um, you can use besides sage, you can use other Palo Santo or other um, stones. You can get gems to help you cleanse yourself. Crystals, all of those items they facilitate cleansing. And you can take salt baths. Uh, you can use uh, Epsom salt in your in your bath water, which will help you. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I've heard that on on different occasions and things uh, of that nature. Michelle, I got to tell you, this is just a fascinating event, is what I'll call it—an event in your life that has happened. And this book, "Rain No Evil," is absolutely a great read. Can you tell the folks in closing here where they could obtain a copy of your book? Yes, Rain No Evil can be found on my website, rainnoevil.com, and that's spelled rain like water, R-A-I-N, and it's also available on Amazon and on Kindle. Uh, you can download it that way. It is currently being made into a screenplay, and my screenplay writer from Texas is just about done with it, so I'm hoping very much to, to get that out in the form of, of a movie someday. I will be on the Mr. Phil Show July the 6th, I believe it is, that Friday, I'll be in New York on the Mr. Phil show. He he won America's Got Talent, I believe it was, years ago. And he's still doing his thing with his show. So I met him in the spring, and I'll be up there in New York doing that live. Well, you have a busy itinerary. <laughs> That's great. That is fantastic. And I know also you do have uh, your weekly column, uh, Life Speaks with Michelle Zirkel. So you have that as well, correct? Yes, I do. I do that too, through the Social Voices platform uh, that is available there in Pennsylvania and throughout the world, thanks to technology. <laughs> well, we definitely appreciate technology, believe me, we do. <laughs> Michelle, thank you so much for taking some time and being our guest. It, it truly is a fascinating set of events that have happened to you, and we thank you. I personally wish you nothing but the best, Michelle, in uh, everything that you do, and maybe there will be a book coming out in the future again with um, some other informations, but um, <clears throat> Rain No Evil, folks, based on true events, Michelle, thank you so much. I hope you'll join us again someday on Tony LaVorna's Legends and Lore. Thank you, Tony. If you like what you've heard, be sure to like, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast app. listening to a production of the Social Voice Project. Right, I heard the little tinkling like the ding, 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 yeah. you know that that thing that you do that it it raises that uncomfortable feeling like uh oh. This concludes our broadcast. <laughs>